Hezekiah became king in Judah when he was 25 years old. And uh, the biblical records tell us that he reigned for 29 years, and that includes the 15 years that God added to his life in this chapter. And so if we do a little math, it means that Hezekiah was 39 years old when Isaiah the prophet told him, set your house in order. You are going to die. 39. Every death is bitter and every death is painful, but there's something more pitiful and painful when a young person dies. And no wonder. In verse 10, we read what Hezekiah says. He says, In the middle of my days, I must depart. He is bitter. He is sad. He is troubled. And to Hezekiah, God seemed vicious. Look at verse 13. He compares God like a lion. He breaks all my bones. He is comparing God to a lion jumping on his prey and breaking his spine. That's what he thinks of God as. As for himself, he sees himself no more than a chirping bird and a moaning dove. Obviously, no match for the vicious lion. Now, to be death, to be near death is painful enough when you are young. But to feel that God is against you in your most desperate hour, that there is no darkness like that. And that is where we find Hezekiah, and that's how we find Hezekiah. His spirit embittered, his heart full of trouble, and his problems, his trials made the worse because he feels that God is against him. But as we read and as we reflect upon the words of this chapter, we see something beautiful and unexpected unfolding. And the first thing that we should pay attention to is that there are no wasted trials. There are no wasted trials. So this chapter begins with the words, in those days, Hezekiah became sick. In which days? In what days? Well, we get the answer if we uh, skip ahead a few verses and listen to how God answers Hezekiah's prayers. Verse 6, I will deliver you, the Lord says. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. And if you remember, God did that in the last chapter. In chapter 37, that's where God delivered the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. In other words, this illness of Hezekiah, which brings him near death, this happened before the events of chapter 37, before the Assyrians had set up camp outside of Jerusalem walls. And so this is the situation. Hezekiah and all of Jerusalem know that invasion is about to begin. And as if that wasn't enough, on top of an impending national defeat, Hezekiah faced this personal catastrophe of mortal, fatal illness. 
What's the saying? When it rains, it pours. I mean, that sounds awfully cruel, doesn't it? As if Hezekiah doesn't have enough on his plate. God struck him with a disease. But actually, as we continue to consider this chapter, we begin to see God's design. And his design was gracious and was redemptive. Notice how God answers Hezekiah's prayers. And God hears Hezekiah's prayers and answers with mercy. Verses 5 and 6, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. And that actually sheds uh, light on what happened in chapter 37. You remember chapter 37, we find Hezekiah in response to the insulting and the blasphemous words of uh, Sennacherib's lackey, having left with no recourse, no hope, no options, no time, we see Hezekiah in, in the beginning of chapter 37 going into the house of the Lord to pray. Now where, where did Hezekiah suddenly find the heart to pray? Because up to that point, Hezekiah was one who had relied on his schemes and on his many plans. He trusted in his own resources and his own wisdom instead of relying on God. You remember how Hezekiah and all of Judah kept ignoring Isaiah's words, but they had plan A, which was military allies. They had plan B, which was diplomacy with Egypt. They had plan C, which was money. And somewhere far down the line was prayer, which Let's be frank, Hezekiah never got around to. But in the beginning of chapter 37, we see suddenly Hezekiah praying. And where does he get that heart to pray? What's making him pray? Well, Hezekiah prayed in the crucial moment because of what happened in his illness. Hezekiah prays in that crucial moment because God moved his heart to pray. Because this dark providence of illness and God's merciful healing were the crucial encouragement that Hezekiah needed to turn to God when the Assyrians were camped outside of Jerusalem. You see, Hezekiah's healing from illness reminded him and assured him that life and death are in God's hands. And it reminded him and it assured him that God answers the prayers of his people. It reminded him and it assured him when there is no human hope remaining, when there is no human resources, when all human schemes have failed, you can turn to God and he will show you mercy. And that is why we see God's design here. God does not waste trials. Hezekiah is healed by God's mercy and that's what gives him the encouragement 
to pray to God when the Assyrians finally come against Jerusalem. That is to say, the grace that Hezekiah received in his illness became the grace that carried him through war with Assyria. And that's how God equips and builds. He, God ordains troubles to make us stronger and to equip us for future trials. And with each trial, we grow stronger. We are more equipped to face the challenges that lay, lie ahead. No wasted trials. Secondly, let's consider why God hears Hezekiah's prayers. Notice how Hezekiah is deeply troubled, and being deeply troubled, he begins to bargain with God. Please, O oh Lord, remember how, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. Well, actually, that's not the whole story, is it? Hezekiah did do some good, especially early on. And there is no denying that he did do some good. But Hezekiah also did some not-so-good things. So when he says, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with the whole heart and, with, and have done what is good in your sight, you know, that's not the whole story. Hezekiah is being very selective in his memory. And in fact, if we were to read Isaiah chapter 39, the very next chapter, and we see what Hezekiah does after being healed, this is what 2 Chronicles chapter 32 says, commenting on that healing and what Hezekiah does afterwards. But Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was proud. So, you know, it's quite a bit of an audacity for Hezekiah to pray and say, remember, God, how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with the whole heart and have done what is good in your sight because he didn't do that in the past and he won't do that in the future. Hezekiah, up to this point, uh, to put it charitably, was a man with a mixed record and mixed history, and he continues to retain a heart. Even after this miraculous and gracious healing, his heart still remains proud, divided, and not entirely devoted to the Lord. But what Hezekiah is doing here, being troubled with this uh, mortal illness, he is bargaining with God, and he's trying to bargain with God, saying, my good, the good things I have done, completely outweigh and overshadow whatever little bad things I have done. And you have to help me. That's bargaining with God. I have been good to you. I have done good things for you. Now it's your turn. But what we see in this chapter is that God's disposition toward Hezekiah is not determined by Hezekiah's own merit or even by demerit. 
God doesn't respond favorably or mercifully to Hezekiah because he deserved it or otherwise. Rather, listen to what God says through Isaiah. He says, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. When God answers Hezekiah's prayers, he identifies himself as the God of David. In other words, God answers Hezekiah's prayers for healing, not because of what Hezekiah has done, but because of God's own commitment to the promises that he made to David to give David a lasting, everlasting kingdom and an everlasting throne. It's God's own commitment to David. It's God's own faithfulness to that promise that stirs God, that moves God to show mercy to Hezekiah. In other words, Hezekiah finds help because God is faithful to his covenant. And in addition, God says, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. You know, Hezekiah was less than accurate in the way he uh, presented himself to God. I have been faithful. I have done good. No, not quite. So he's being less than accurate. And what's really intriguing and interesting is that here we see Hezekiah weeping bitterly because he's about to die. Except we don't ever read that he wept so bitterly because Jerusalem and her people faced death. Now make of that what you will. But isn't that interesting? The one time we are told that Hezekiah is seeking the Lord with tears, it wasn't when this entire city, the nation, and the people were facing annihilation. It was when his own life was threatened. Actually, this is something we will continue to see in the next chapter too. Not only Hezekiah did not represent himself, represent himself accurately, even his tears are a little bit suspect. And yet, nevertheless, God is moved by his prayer and his tears because God's heart is such that he is moved to compassion when he sees sorrowful heart and bitter spirit. I mean, isn't that such a great news for you and for me? What would become of us if God never showed us mercy until our prayers were completely and 100% pure? What would become of us if God never showed us kindness until there was no shadow, no sliver of selfish thought in our hearts? None of us would know anything about God's grace and kindness. But even though Hezekiah and even though we often come to him with impure motives and even though we are less than honest before God, the fact that we are suffering, the fact that we are embittered in heart, the fact that we have sorrow in our hearts, that moves God to show mercy. And that's what God did. God granted Hezekiah healing 
and he delivered Jerusalem. And God even gave Hezekiah a sign. He turned, he caused the shadow of a sundial. You know what sundial is? It's a way uh, you stick a, put a stick in the ground, and uh, depending on the position of the sun and in relation to it, uh, the direction, the angle of the shadow, you can tell time. And in order to assure Hezekiah that he was about to keep his promises, he made the shadow uh, take 10 steps back. Now, there's no ifs and buts about it. It was a miracle. And quite literally, God moved heavens and the earth in order to comfort and to encourage a man who was bitter in spirit and full of sorrow. And that is God's compassion for suffering people. And that is why Hezekiah's prayers were heard, not because his prayers were honest, not because he himself was honest before God, not because his motives were pure, not because he was faultless and blameless before God, because our God is such that when he sees people with sorrow in their hearts, when he sees brokenhearted people, he is moved to show them compassion. And so lastly and finally, we see grace for bitter heart, grace for bitter heart. Now notice how uh, the first eight verses of the chapter is a narrative uh, of Hezekiah's healing, and that narrative is followed by Hezekiah's prayer. And it reads like a psalm in which uh, Hezekiah begins with the state of mind that he had before he was healed, and it ends with uh, uh, what has happened to Hezekiah, the changes that have come upon his heart and his mind uh, once he was healed. And what we notice about this prayer, starting with verse 9, is that it is very psalm-like in its quality, how it is very raw and honest in the way that it expresses Hezekiah's fears. And that's one of the, the hallmarks of the Psalms of the Bible. Uh, there's no sugarcoating uh, trials, difficulties, and sorrows. Uh, sometimes it even makes us feel unsure. Can we be dishonest with God when we pray? Can we, is it okay to complain like this to God? Is it okay to be so unvarnished in our prayers to God? And yes, it is absolutely okay to be raw and to be honest in our prayers to God. Because what Hezekiah expresses in this psalm is the sorrow of dying young, combined with the suffocating fear that that God is against you just when you need him the most. And it's when God feels like to you a vicious lion tearing you apart and you feel both helpless and hopeless. When scripture frames prayers like this, it is teaching us that we can experience, we can have experiences where those things are true. When it feels as though God is against us, 
when it feels as though God is vicious, when it feels as though there is no hope left. And that is no time to dress our prayers with soft words. And Hezekiah lays it out in his all in his raw and honest words. And what else we see is that we as Christians either really feel this way or have been trained at the very least to say when we are going through difficult times, we say, well, God is sovereign and I trust his sovereignty. In our better moments, we actually find great comfort in the fact that God is sovereign. And at other times, we merely say the words, even though we don't feel that comfort. But here, Hezekiah is not at all comforted by knowing that God is sovereign. Rather, God's sovereignty causes him despair. Verse 15, what shall I say? For he, God, has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. And what Hezekiah is saying is that what hope do I have when it is the sovereign God himself who is against me? When he is the one bringing all these tragedies and catastrophes upon me, how can I resist them, withstand them? And so for Hezekiah, the thought of God's sovereignty is not something that gives him hope. It is something that causes him despair. That is why it is so important for us to know that we keep in mind how God addresses himself when he speaks to Hezekiah. And this is the pattern through the entire Bible that we do not consider God's sovereignty apart from his covenant faithfulness. We never consider God's sovereignty apart from his grace and the mercy that reside deep in his heart. And so when God addressed Hezekiah, he identified himself as the God of David. And who is the God of David? He is the good shepherd who leads his flock safely through the valley of the shadow of death. He is the good shepherd who, whose goodness and mercy follow his people always. And that is why, even though Hezekiah, before the word of grace came to him, he found himself thinking that God is vicious, he is against me. Halfway through the psalm, the tone changes, and the, the changing of the tone comes after the assuring words of Isaiah and the, the healing that he received. And Hezekiah begins to discern God's redemptive motive behind his pains. So look at verse 17. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. A believer does not have to market himself or herself to God. 
Can I put it this way? I think we are all looking for a PR manager who will say to God, you know, Ken, you know, Ken, he's done really what is good in your sight. You know, Jane, she's been wonderful. That's what we are hoping for. That's what we are struggling to find, a PR manager who can speak nice things about uh, us to God. We are trying to market ourselves to God. We're trying to bargain with God. But a believer never needs to do that. There's no need for that because God gave us a redeemer and he gave us a mediator. We don't need someone to say to God, you know, he's really wonderful. Because God has given us the mediator, the redeemer who has come and said, he is guilty as sin. He deserves your wrath, but I will pay for it. He deserves your wrath, but I will suffer in his place and I will cast his sins behind my back and you will never see it anymore. You see, that's what God has done for Hezekiah. And that's what God has done for you and for me. We are looking for a PR manager. God has given us a redeemer. And so when we are in Christ, God does not see our mixed history. Because we are in Christ, we are truly able to say, God, I have been faithful to you and I have done good, not because of what we personally have accomplished, but because of the spotless faithfulness and the blameless conduct of Jesus Christ that have been made our very own. So that when we come to God in Jesus Christ, we don't ever have to bargain with him because the only thing that God sees when we are in Christ is that we are blameless and spotless, good and faithful. And it is that, it is that realization that, that shows Hezekiah that God has redemptive motive behind the things that is suffered. And that is what turns his grief and sorrow into a psalm of praise. And that, loved ones, is our light in darkness. Do not think to bargain for God's help. In order to bargain, you need something to barter. In order to bargain with God, you, you need to have something to, you can offer him. The truth of the matter is, there's nothing that you have you can offer him. You're just not good enough. And you have just not done well enough. So forget about bargaining with God, but instead, lean on his mercy. Trust in his covenant faithfulness because God will keep his promises to the greater David. You see, when God promised David, I will give you an everlasting kingdom and a throne, he was actually speaking of the son of David, the greater David whose kingdom will endure forever. God's promise to David were directed 
toward Jesus Christ. And it is for Jesus' sake. Just as God answered Hezekiah's prayers for the sake of David, God answers our prayers for the sake of Christ. That is why in John chapter 16, this is what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, life is full of troubles. And in the hard troubles we face at times, it feels as though God is against us. It feels as though we have no hope, no future, no help. And in the hard troubles of life, God seems anything but full of mercy. Beloved ones, remember this, that God in Christ is full of grace, that God in Christ will not waste your trials, that God in Christ will hear your prayers, not because you deserve his help, but because he is merciful. So are you, are you sorrowful? Are you embittered? Has life crushed you, left you broken? Have you lost hope? Would you pray to Jesus? He will help you, and he will answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you for showing us what your mercy is like. The mercy that Hezekiah received was undeserved. It was more than sufficient. It was glorious and wonderful. And so we are encouraged to pray to you today. Lord, each and every one of us, we face hard trials in life. And we are also discouraged. And sometimes we lose hope too. Help us to remember what you are like. Help us to remember that you are full of grace and mercy. And help us to be, help us to be secure and, and rest in your faithfulness. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.